Law Focus Podcast. Law Focus on Balfour 88.1 Point of Information. Good evening, it is exactly 5 past 7 and you are tuned into VFM Broadcasting from our studios here in Bramfontein on 88.1. My name is Millicent Ndueni and I am together with Tsepo Mohapi and you are welcome to Law Focus. Yeah, the law, so the law Focus is a program which aims to deal with legal issues uh, and particularly issues that pertain to you, the listener. And it's to in, both inform you of your legal rights while discussing and making uh, sense of the current issues within and about and around our laws and how they are playing out in our everyday lives. Certainly. And about two weeks ago, the Constitutional Court gave a ruling, a very interesting ruling that had South African parents and all society up in arms, which was the ruling against corporal punishment. So previously... um. We knew that teachers and your pe- people who are not your parents can't hit a child, but yeah. parents were allowed to. Now, parents cannot hit their children as well. And a lot of people were not happy. I guess it has to do with the panic of not knowing how you're now going to instill discipline, you know, without getting yourself yeah. in trouble with the law. So this evening, we're definitely going to get into the merits of this uh, Concord case, looking yeah. at the pros and the cons of the judgment, the psychological side of it. Uh, we're going to educate ourselves on how we can also learn new strategies and methods of disciplining children. I guess it's going to require uh, a mindset in us. You know, there is an initiative, by the way, Tepo, against corporal punishment, a global initiative. I don't know if you know that. So the world is moving towards making sure that children are not inflicted any kind of physical pain. Yeah, well, I mean, it it would be very wise for us to, you know, start implementing that. Now, I just wanted to give some indication of my understanding of how this change of law came about. So, it's always been assault to uh, to smack a child. However, what you could do was raise the defense of chastisement, reasonable chastisement. Yeah. So, and what the Concord effectively did was to remove that as a form of defense. Uh, it's no longer available to a parent who uh, uh, disciplines their child via spanking uh, they can no longer say, but I'm using reasonable chastisement yeah. in order to, um, to to discipline the child. Now, to help us unpack this and to get a better understanding of it, we'll be inviting a couple of, of, of our guests to come through and discuss it with us. And uh, we'll get them on the telephone. Uh, Daniela uh, Ellabrick from uh, Freedom of Religion, uh, as they were integrally involved in the case. They were p- a part of the litigants in that case. Yeah, I can't see to hear their side of the story. And then further, we're going to have Isabel Magaya from the Centre for Child Law. And uh, they're going to give us, I guess, the children's perspective on this court judgment. And finally, uh, to analyse the complexities of this matter, looking at alternative disciplining methods and how the psychology, what the psychological impact of this is on the whole of the South African society, will be a psychologist, Mr. Tabang Taka. Yeah, don't forget to follow us on Twitter uh, and keep the conversation going. Uh, the handle is at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. Our podcasts are at uh, aono.fm. Uh, just remember that you tuned into the Law Focus on Vow FM 88.1 and coming up after the break out of the legal hotspots. I'm Tab Mahapi. With me is Millicent Ndueni and we're your host tonight. Rounding up all, all the top stories of the week. Legal Hotspots. 
So in our first story this evening, the state capture inquiry has been continuing. It's been a while now since this commission started. Um, many, many months ago. It seems like forever. Yeah. Yeah, it, it has been like running. Hey? It really has been running. Sometimes I wonder if Judge Zondo is able to take all that in. Goodness, yeah. I guess he trained for it. He'll be and fine. And he's the deputy chief justice. He so really he's been is. away from his normal work. For Can you imagine the judgment at the end of yeah. all of this? Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness, it's going to be a lot. So now, in the recent uh, uh, um, inquiries um, that have been taking place, we have now journalists who have been implicated in the state capture project, which is very sad because we would like our media to be free and fair from any kind of uh, interference by any parties or anyone whatsoever. But now uh, we have crime intelligence, a uh, former officer of crime intelligence, Mr. Colonel Naidu, who was testifying not in camera and hiding his identity because of a lot um, and he was saying that well he's aware that there are some journalists who were actually paid to not give the crime intelligence in a bad light in the public space and he mentioned some of them um, you might have heard of the name of Ranjini Munsami from Tiso Blackstar uh, in the news of late she has vehemently denied these allegations and I guess if she takes the stand we'll hear her side of the story and we'll see how this will continue to unfold. Yeah, uh, so far there have been denials. Uh, Pr- Pravin Godan has lost his application in the uh, in an application against the EFF on the rogue unit report. Now the Equality Court dismissed Godan's application to exclude the report by the Inspector General for Intelligence on the rogue unit uh, for SARS. Uh, the report was going to be used as documentary evidence for the defence case in the Pravin Court, Pra of Pravin against um, EFF for the hate speech against him. Pravin's lawyer said the court order dismissing the application to remove the report as part of the defence will not impact the case against EFF for hate speech and has nothing to do with the report. The application was made entirely to make sure irrelevant material is not included. On the other hand, EFF has released the report by the uh, Inspector General on the rogue unit for SARS. Okay, and then we also have the equity courts which, uh, in the Eastern Cape which has ruled on transgender prisoners. So it was the story of uh, Jade September who happens to be transgender um, at Eastern Cape and she, sometimes I get confused and I need to be very careful because um, I understand transgender people are generally referred to in the third person but I think we refer to her as she I think that was what she wanted um, and she was incarcerated in prison a male prison but she happens to be transgender female and uh, the issue was that she, first of all she's in a male prison but she made peace with that um, because she has not gone any sex changes um she hasn't because it's very difficult if you are transgender to uh, afford if that's what you want to do uh any medication to change your body type uh and now she just wanted to make sure that she can wear makeup and also requesting that she wears panties as opposed to male underwears that kind of stuff and the treatment was not good uh, following her request um, and so it was taken to 
the higher authorities uh, who said that, no, actually there needs to be changes in how transgender persons are treated even in the prison system. They also have rights and they have uh, the right to express their identity as any public person uh, is allowed to. And uh, the, the court then decided that correctional services will have to undergo some serious, serious um, education, um, sensitivity training for their employees as part of the order to make sure that there is this kind of equality uh, within our South African prison systems and simple, basic acts that allow you to retain your humanity, uh, such as wearing uh, makeup, if that's what you like, minimal makeup, not a lot, just literally minimal, and having, you know, being ex- expressing yourself as your preferred gender, being called she or there instead of he, those kind of things have to be taken very seriously. So that was what the court ordered, which was a positive ruling uh, for the LGBTQI plus community. Yeah, we'll see how that pans out in practice. I imagine that would be quite an interesting one uh, on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. because there are many people who would be quite fluid in their sexuality in that environment. So we'll see how that pans out. But it is a ruling nonetheless, and it's one that the, that the uh, state must abide by. All right, and uh, lastly, the defence force has been the deployment of the defence force in the Cape Flats was extended, uh, I think, for a further roughly six months until the March next year, yeah. and that is to um, cut down on the crime. Apparently, it could be working quite quite well, and so it's been extended. A request, I think, by the Western Cape government was extended to the national government, which was acceded to, which is brilliant. Okay, that's been our legal hotspots for the day, and uh, I hope that you've enjoyed that and you've got a little bit of information from it. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week is Legal Hotspots. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Oh, well, now welcome back. We'll be with Millicent and Tapo, and uh, we're talking about corporal punishment and what it means in our country. We've had for the longest time, corporal punishment has been part of virtually every culture and every country has used corporal punishment in some way. Uh, in 2019 in South Africa, it is now illegal. Which to is interesting, spank your right? Child. Because there are African countries, believe it or not, that have banned corporal punishment. Uh, those are Benin, Kenya, Congo, Togo, Tunisia. And uh, across the world, we have 54 states that have fully fully prohibited any corporal punishment in the home. There are about 145 that have kind of partially uh, done so. Hmm. Um, Some of those countries include uh, uh, Argentina and Brazil, Costa Rica, Denmark, Germany. And we have just joined the list of countries that have now said, as Tepo rightly uh, mentioned, no more hitting of kids. And in light of that, then we decided to go to the streets and ask you, whether you are happy with the constitutional court judgment, maybe not that you're happy, but what are you, what's your take on it? Do you support it? Do you not support it? And what is your reason for that? Now my view is mainly that like, I don't fully support um, them ruling that spanking is sort of like legal. Um, merely because I feel like 
as much as like the courts i understand that they're trying to sort of like um put in human rights and sort of like incorporate everyone to sort of like feel respected and um that they have a part in like the constitution and whatnot it's sort of like um i feel like that court ruling sort of like contradicts everything and like everything that we have built as like a society i'm speaking of things such as like culture and like essentially religion right and with religion you get like people who actually feel like this is a problem where you have your kid who has a chance of like um supposedly like um reporting you to the courts because you spanked them because i feel as though as much as courts want to make people's lives better they're making people's lives worse by sort of like causing contradiction within their homes because i feel like for instance if i am a parent and i feel like i want to um rule my home in terms of like um bible and scriptures and whatnot like the scripture that says like um spare the rod you spoil the child right it sort of like contradicts everything like how can you tell me that practice my own religion yet still rule out something and make it constitutional to something that is like really contradictory now you're stepping into my home and the way i'm expressing my religion and my beliefs and and culture and just how i i was brought up and how i want to raise my kids into my home right so i feel like I, I don't really like it as such, so yeah, that's my opinion. I don't know if you understand me, but yeah. Um, okay, spanking for me, ne? For uh, first of all, can I tell Raimundo? And the second one is illegal. So when you talk about like spanking, seriously, it's not order, but classing on far. Like just for order, because like us now. Some teachers cannot bring order by just speaking, but some kids, you know, are, are routinely speaking from a person on Naladia school. So, speaking was the only way for a na in the old level of scale. So, Matia Banda Saspanki and stuff. So, Nere Topapot. Well, that was our, our, our listeners' views on it, and generally, it seems to be that it doesn't have, it hasn't gone down well. One saying, uh, quote unquote, has overstepped the mark. Yeah. And they're going into our homes and telling us what to do inside our homes. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe that is something that is needed. Maybe it's not. To f- to really look at it, we're going to talk to Daniela. Remember that you can join the conversation at VAR on Twitter and at VAR FM using the hashtag LawFocus. Um, hello, Daniela. Hello. Hello, yes. Yeah. Um, I'll. I was waiting for Millicent. Um, I don't know. If Millicent is right here, Daniela. I'm right here. <laughs> you well? Sorry, I'm fine. Um, I just couldn't hear anything for about three minutes. So I was like, I don't know what's happening. All right. Oh, Sorry, we were just playing some recordings from our listeners, and oh, sure, um, that's absolutely fine. Sorry, guys. No, no problem. And our listeners. Well, we only had two of them today, but both of them seem to be in support of. Uh, spanking the one saying that the concord has overstepped the mark and uh, sort of dictating what happens in our homes and the other one generally talking about a lack of discipline due to a lack of real punishment in the form of, of spanking so that was what you missed if yeah. i ever put it like that yeah. yeah oh okay 
No, that's fine. Sorry, I just didn't know if the call was dropped or what had happened. So no problem. Definitely no. But I'll wait patiently. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad that you waited. So um, we, we are happy to be speaking to you because, I mean, you are definitely, you're a member. Can I say you're a member of Freedom of Religion in South Africa? And yes, yes, I am. I am the legal advisor. Legal advisor from Freedom of Religion. And you guys were very involved in this case. Uh, share with us your journey, where it commenced and how it continued until the Concord judgment? Well, you're right. We were quite involved in this. Um, well, this case for us started back in the High Court in Johannesburg back in 2017 when we were asked to join as an amicus curiae by the court. So an amicus is a friend of the court and it's someone who just gives, um, yeah, gives expert evidence to the court. Um, and basically, when the judgment came out from the Johannesburg High Court in October 2017, we appealed it to the Supreme Court of Appeal um, in Bloemfontein, and the Supreme Court looked at it and said that we needed to go to the Constitutional Court. So from there, we appealed it to the Constitutional Court, and we argued the matter in front of the Concord um, at the end of November last year. Mm. So the original uh, judgment by the Johannesburg High Court was that, uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, was that the defence of chastisement by, by spanking is now rejected. Is that correct? And then that was yes. appealed. So he was convicted of assault, eh? some form of yes. assault. Okay. And then now... So case, sorry, yes? And then you had to move from that point onwards. Eh? That was the appeal process after that conviction. Is that, am I correct? Yes. Okay. So what happened was that this was actually an assault case. The father was um, charged with assault GBH, so assault with intention to do grievous bodily harm. Um, in the magistrate's court, and he was found guilty. And then he appealed to the high court, saying that, no, he hadn't assaulted his son, um, and it definitely wasn't assault GBH, because it was reasonable and moderate chastisement. Now, under the law, let's call it the old law, parents were allowed to physically discipline their children using reasonable and moderate chastisement. Mm-hmm. And the high court held that that was no longer constitutional. So the High Court in Johannesburg in October 2017 said that any form of reasonable and moderate chastisement is unconstitutional, and that we appealed because essentially it means that um, any form of physical discipline, even if it's just you know the lightest spanking on the bum or the lightest tap on the fingers, is illegal. Yeah. Yeah. And so that then went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court gave us a notice that we need to take it straight to the Concord, so straight to the Concord we went. And, um, yes, the Concord then earlier this, um, or last month now, um, today, the 5th of October, held that actually reasonable and moderate chastisement is unconstitutional. And that means that any form of physical discipline, no matter how light or well-intentioned, um, is, now con- is now illegal and is a crime of assault. Mm. And I'm sure you felt that the court did overreach in in its judgment. First of all, what would you have preferred the court to decide? And now with the decision that the court has actually made, Mm. what do you foresee happening in our South African homes, in our courts, in society generally, now that spanking is officially illegal? I think that's a very good question. I think... It's important to point out that it's not just spanking that's illegal, Millicent. It's absolutely any form of physical chastisement. So even if it's just the lightest 
tap on the wrist, you know, mm. if your toddler is misbehaving or even just a flick. Yeah. Um, what we wanted in this case was for the court to refer this decision to Parliament because we're a democracy. And every few years, we go to the election booth and we patiently queue in the queues and we elect our representatives. And our members of Parliament as our representatives are the members of the main legislative body in the country. So Parliament is the law-making engine, if you will. And basically, we say to the court, you know, for a law that um, would drastically affect every single household in South Africa, that is not something for the courts to decide on. That is something for Parliament as the law-making engine of the country to okay. decide on. Mm-hmm. So we offered the matter to actually be referred to Parliament. And that is what we would have preferred for the court to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, as regards to your second question, um, what we see in light of this judgment, um, what would be happening in light of this judgment is that, well, perhaps, like we said, the best place to start is to explain to parents what this will practically mean for them. And what it practically means as a defense of reasonable margin chastisement was declared unconstitutional is that any form of physical discipline is now the crime of assault and opens parents up to the full penal machinery, so the full criminal justice system of the state. And um, what we see is that this criminalizes good parents because it's very important to point out, I think, um, in this conversation that abuse has always been illegal. At no point was abuse of your child legal in South Africa. What was legal was light, reasonable, moderate physical chastisement. And that has now been declared illegal. So if bad parents, if you will, were abusing their children before this judgment was passed, which was already illegal before this judgment, and they were breaking the law before this judgment. This judgment doesn't now criminalize them or make them even more wary of breaking the law, which they were doing beforehand. What it does do is it criminalizes good parents. So instead of, um, what a good analogy is that instead of what we see happening, you know, uh, is that instead of the net being tightened to catch the problem cases and to actually help children in dangerous situations, the net was actually just widened so that there are bigger gaps, you know, trying to catch more fish, if you want, yeah. if you will. Okay. And um, what we've already seen is that teachers have reported parents to the police. Um, a teacher overheard, I think this was um, one of the headlines over maybe not this past weekend, but the weekend before, um, where a teacher overheard a student telling her friend that she had gone hiding and the teacher reported the father for assault to the police. Um, lawyers are already saying, and this is one of the things we warned the court about, that they say that they're seeing um, <laughs> the allegations of this in divorce cases. So where spouses who are in the process of getting divorced from one another are accusing the other spouse of, um, you know, spanking the child or physically disciplining their child, and because that is now the crime of assault. That is a whole different process that's not also, you know, opened up in a divorce case because now yeah. you're leveling criminal allegations against one another. Mm. All right. Uh, uh, Danielle, I want to just come in here quickly. I hear everything you're saying, but with two points, and I wanted to ask you them fairly quickly. 
Uh, the one would be, okay, what you discussed was uh, potentially the system is up for abuse. What I wanted to ask you was two things. The first being, I was spanked, uh, not regularly, but I was spanked as a child. I didn't see it as abuse. I was fine with it. But I mm. noticed that a lot of my own peers, um, although they're, they're perhaps not adverse to spanking, they use it far, far less than, for instance, my own parents did, and my own parents use it far less than their parents did. Isn't there a ge general turning away from spanking in any event? That's the first one, or is that just my perception? And the second question that I have would be, the cases which would arrive at court, whether before the ruling or after the ruling, are generally the problem cases. Do you think that this ruling will actually have the effect of bringing more cases, real cases, into the courts? Or will it still only be the real problem cases that come to court anyway? Okay, so there's a couple of questions in that question. So yeah. maybe let's start with, um, similarly, I was also spanked as a child, and I think I turned out <laughs> a good law-abiding citizen. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the memes uh, coming out of the judgment that I thought was very funny was a picture of all the constitutional court judges on the bench um, from an upset parent saying that she was pretty sure that all of them were spanked as, ch as children and they turned out absolutely fine, you know, and they became mm. concord judges. Um, regarding the, the, the use of spanking and whether or not that has declined, um, I wouldn't be in a position to say that. That might just be within your group of friends and acquaintances. It could also just, you know, your cultural setting. Mm -hmm. One doesn't know. Um, so that is not something that I am, I am uh, skilled to answer. Um, it's not my area of expertise. But I think what I would want to point out there is that what this judgment does is it literally steps into the inner sanctum of your home, and it tells you how you must raise your children or else face the criminal consequences, and that's the problem. So this judgment isn't about spanking per se. You know, there are alternative parenting methods that one could use and so forth. The issue is that the state has now forced you to follow what the state has chosen, so it has taken that choice as a parent out of your hands, inadvertently saying that it thinks it's a better parent than you are and told you that if you don't abide by that choice, um, you will face criminal consequences. Now, the problem with that is that in law, that sets a very bad precedent. So in law, if you will, it sets a rule that the state can make parental choices for you. And if you don't agree with those choices, you will face a criminal justice system. Yeah. And that doesn't, doesn't just stop with spanking. Um, and, you know, with regards to the, the, um, the seeing it as assault and so forth, or seeing it as a bad thing being spanked, um, rather I believe is what you said, is with regards to the benefits and the detriments of spanking, the social science itself is so conflicted, and there are many experts in this field um, who have ample proof, and say that ample proof that mild physical correction is beneficial for children, and these experts are in hot dispute with the experts who say that it's always bad. Um, but again, now the choice of parents to decide for themselves as the one who knows their child's temperament and the one supposedly primarily responsible for their children's upbringing has been removed by the state. And 
Similarly, the church people to decide for themselves how they want to interpret their religious texts and live out their religion has been removed because the state has stepped into the religious realm with this decision. And that's that's the crux of the matter, is that the state has stepped into your home and told you how you must raise your children, how you must live out your faith. And if you don't do it the way the state wants, then you will face criminal consequences. Mm. Wow, that's so interesting. If you have just joined the conversation, you are listening to Tepo Mohapi and Melissa Tintiweni on Law Focus, and it's just gone 32 minutes after 7. We're speaking to Daniela Ellebeck from Freedom of Religion, and we are discussing the Khan Court's judgment against corporal punishments, and we're trying to unpack and understand what the law says and how this is really going to... uh, I guess, have an impact on all of us, whether you're a parent or not, and you've got siblings, and maybe you also used to just hit your little sister here and there. Um, the Concord judgment, though, is um, Daniela also relied on sections 12 and 10 of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm interested particularly in section 10, which speaks of dignity. How yeah. should the public understand what dignity means from a legal point of view and why it's so important even for children, particularly looking at this case that we are dealing with right now? I think what one would want to point out is that children are the holders of their own human rights. So they don't have many human, human rights. Um, you know, they come into full flourishing when they turn 18 and become adults. And they're the holders of their own human rights. Um, and the court's interpretation when it came to um, mild, reasonable, moderate physical discipline, even if it was done by a parent in love, you know, with the best interest of raising their children, and as the one knowing their child's character and temperament and what discipline methods work for their child, is that the court concluded that that's against the child's dignity. Now, obviously, how the court interpreted that is um, up for critique. Um, 4FA will be bringing out a critique of the judgment, for example, you know, one could argue that if you meet a person where they're at, then you treat them with dignity. So if I meet my four-year-old where he's at and I treat him as a four-year-old in a way he can understand, I treat him with dignity. And one could also argue, you know, that if the naughty corner doesn't work for my four-year-old and if time out doesn't work for my four-year-old and if the removal of privileges doesn't work for my four-year-old and I then, as a last resort, result to mild, reasonable, moderate chastisement. So again, not abuse, mild physical discipline. One could argue that I treat him with dignity, but the court didn't see it like that. So that is one of the things that I think we will be tackling when we do bring out a critique of the judgment. But dignity means, um, yeah, dignity means to treat someone as a human being that has inherent dignity and um, it's, it's one of those self-defining words, I think. It doesn't have a special legal meaning. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the Afrikaans translation is means vaardigheid. It means like, it means um, your worth as a person. Mm. Yeah, well, um, Af- Afrikaans sometimes is a nice way of putting it. It's very practical way of putting it. Yeah, it's, it's quite, it can be quite a descriptive language. So yeah. I think that might be the best way of trying to describe it because English isn't such a, it's not great with defining something yeah. like that. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah it's like it's your worth as a person and a child has equal worth to an adult. It doesn't have many worth or less worth because it's a child. Yeah, yeah. I-, I wanted to just go back to some of the re- 
perhaps the religious aspects of it and mm. the, the sort of private aspect of it. You say, but this is my home, my home is my castle. As long as I don't go too far, what business is it of yours? That kind of approach to it, you know. Mm. Where if we look at perhaps since 1994, the courts have ruled on some very intimate things uh, yeah. that we can't um, uh, do anymore. For, for example, in the past, you used to have, tr uh, just as an example, trusts which were created, which were strictly to the benefit, for, for example, of white, male, Afrikaans, um, Christian, for example. Mm. I think the Safeways Trust is an example. That's a very intimate creation of a document where it was the testator did that. Nowadays, mm. it's not acceptable to do that. If that's included in a trust mm. document, it would normally be uh, read out of it or just simply yeah. amended, right? And one could argue, but is are they going too far in making the testator or, or, or not aligning the testator, not f or enforcing the testator to align with modern values? So even if we have a religious aspect to this one, what makes it so different that to the other cases where the court clearly intrudes on my ability to do what I want to do? Well, I think the first thing that I would point out is that even just for the average man on the street, you know, if you had to ask someone what is more important, you know, what is more intimate, your money or your children? Mm. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a vast difference between the two, even just outside of the, the legal realm. Mm. Um, but I think from a legal point of view, the one thing I would want to point out um, before we get specifically to the religious aspect is that, you know, one of the main reasons for the Constitution existing is to protect citizens from an overreaching government. The Constitution is meant to restrain government. But what we saw with this judgment is the state literally stepping into the most private bit of your home, telling you how you must deal with the most precious aspects of your life, your faith and your children, and that if you don't do it that way, then you will face criminal consequences. Mm. Now, um, you also raised the point earlier of, um, you know, the, the, even if someone, you know, like doesn't go to jail, you know, even if, if it doesn't end up in court, yeah. Remember that you're still subject to a criminal investigation that already stresses and destabilizes your family. Social workers may or may not investigate your home to see, you know, whether or not it's a safe zone for your child. If it's deemed as a dangerous zone, you may or may not lose your child. Um, you know, and these are all things that we're now going to work out practically. What does this actually mean now that this judgment's been passed? And turning to the religious aspects of it, um, you know, while banking may not be essential to the faith of some Christians, for example, you know, um, the Bible refers and has quite a few scriptures on um, physical discipline and even talks about God physically disciplining those he loves. Um, this judgment tells believers what they may or may not believe and how they must live out their faith. And worse, it criminalizes them for doing so. And that's the real issue and the very slippery slope. Because, like I said, this judgment isn't limited, and that principle isn't limited to physical discipline. That can be applied across board, you know, like this month or last month, it was about physical discipline. But the principle that the state can step into your home and tell you how you must believe and how you must live out your faith. 
taking the choice of how to interpret your, you know, your holy your holy scriptures, whether it's the Quran, whether it's the Bible, and how to live it out from you, and criminalizing you if you choose to do it differently. That's the very real problem. But Daniela, also how I mean, how how is that very different from the states also saying a husband hitting a wife is illegal and can no longer be done, and that is now criminalized? Um, is it because we're speaking of minors here that we have this difference in what violence uh, is? Um, if violence is any type of hurt, pain that is inflicted to whether it's to cause displeasure, to instill fear, um, to hurt someone, even if it's just a little bit, um, because it might often be perhaps um, acting out of frustration that you resort to uh, that little pick um, when if you are not frustrated, you would just speak and perhaps things would go your way. And even if they don't, you wouldn't resort to that violence. Because mm-hmm. if, so I just want you to say what the difference is between uh, a man hitting a woman, which is wrong, and mm-hmm. an older person hitting a child, which is also wrong. Okay, so let's tackle it this way. Remember that we said that there's a fundamental difference between abuse and reasonable and moderate chastisement, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. So abuse has always been illegal. And if you abused your child, so if you hit them out of frustration, medicine, like you said, then you would be committing abuse and you would not be reasonably and moderately chastising a child. You would have been committing a crime even under the old law, if we want to call it that. Um, and... The same with um, husband beating his wife. That has always been abuse. That is not reasonable and moderate physical chastisement, which has only ever been limited to between parents and their children. And um, the difference is that, and I think average person on the street would also point this out, is you know that reasonable and moderate light physical discipline of a parent and to their child is meant to raise that child up to be a, a confident, law-abiding citizen um, who knows that there's repercussions for doing wrong. Whereas, obviously, any other form of physical abuse, um, you know, like a husband beating his wife, mm-hmm. has no such purpose at all, you know? And um, there's a big difference between violence against children and um reasonable and moderate physical discipline. The court in this case did not interpret it that, this, that way. The court interpreted even the lightest form of physical discipline of children to be violent against children. And um, as I said, with dignity and in the interpretation of dignity, it all hinges on how one interprets it because one can argue that, you know, reasonable and moderate light physical discipline is actually, you know, it, it's actually treating children with dignity because it needs them where they're at and it doesn't expect them to um, operate as a reasoning plane or an emotional maturity plane that they're not um, able to operate at. And the same with violence, you know, and interpreting a reasonable and moderate and light physical discipline of violence. There's a fundamental difference between violence and 
you know, reasonable and moderate discipline done by a loving parent to try and raise their child up to be a good adult and to be a law-abiding adult. And I want to emphasize, of course, there's never been supported for violence against children, which is their principle, and it's always been a crime. And that if violence against children has always been a crime, the only thing this judgment does is to criminalize good parents. Well, um, Daniela, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you one more question, and it's with regard to, again, an important part of the conversation where we say, but my book of scripture, it doesn't matter what it is, mm-hmm. allows me to to do X, Y, and Z. All right. And then we say, but for example, the church uh, or the Bible will say that it is permitted to spank a child uh, reasonably, yes, um, uh, maybe without any abusive sort of uh, motive behind it. Um, but the Bible also, for example, allow for stonings under certain circumstances. Mm. Uh, savage beatings can also be carried out for, for things that are no longer in 2019 acceptable. Should a difference be made in this category? Nobody would ever argue that, for instance, an adulterer should be stoned. Uh, we don't even jail them anymore. Uh, we don't even give uh, what some call mm. alienation of affection is now. I mean, I mean, you can try, but I mean, what are your chances nowadays of doing something like that? Uh, and so society has moved away from all of those types of mm. prescribed punishments. Uh, uh, should spanking and corporal punishment not be one of those that we can find to the dustbins of history? I would say that, again, that, you know, while banking and physical discipline um, may not be essential to the faith of some people, you know, like um, no Christian who reads their Bible would, you know, say that we should follow the Old Testament law of stoning. Mm. And there's a whole doctrinal explanation for that, but I don't think that's the purpose of this show. Mm. Um, whereas, for example, the New Testament does talk about discipline, you know. And um, But again, the point is that this judgment um, tells believers what they may or may not believe, you know. In this specific case, it had to do with physical discipline, but the principle's been established that the court and the state can tell you what you may or may not believe and how you must live out your faith. And words, it criminalizes you if you choose to do it differently. So what we see with this judgment is a fundamental infringement on religious freedom, which is your right to not only internally believe as you choose, but your right to express that belief by telling others about it and externally living it out. And what we see with this judgment is really for people who do believe that when they read, for example, their Bible, the scriptures pertaining to discipline, and they read it, and they interpret that as a command from God that they must physically discipline their children, obviously not going into abuse and within the bounds of reasonable and moderate and life physical chastisement, they find themselves in a really difficult position now, really between a rock and a hard place of having to choose to obey the state and possibly facing eternal consequences with God. And all having to choose to obey God and facing the very real criminal justice consequences of disobeying the state now. And I mean, that's a realm that the state should never step into. What you see there is 
the, the dividing line between the church and the state has just yeah. been obliterated with state stepping into the religious realm and telling believers how they must interpret scriptures and how they must live out their faith or else. It is a and that's the problem with the judgment. It's a very difficult one. And, and, and because now there is also no clear legislation regarding this judgment, what the law is supposed to be, where to from here? Well, uh, many people have asked us where we will be appealing to. And I've had to reply to them that it's the highest court in the country who <laughs> made this no decision. And, and who decided to not refer to Parliament like we are. Yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere to appeal it to. Yeah. Um, I mean, this judgment makes any form of physical discipline unconstitutional and illegal. Yeah. So it's not even as if Parliament can pass an act and say, you know, we will only criminalize these forms of physical discipline and act, you know. Because that would be undermining the rule of law. Meaning that? So it's, 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 it's an interesting conundrum. I'm looking at our social um, welfare services, um, you know, the Department of Social Development, mm. who can't even get to the problem cases, like I said. So instead of tightening the net to catch the problem cases more effectively, what we've done with this judgment, we've just widened it. So right and what's now, probably going to end up happening is that you're going to catch the people that aren't problem cases and that you're going to end up missing the ones that really are dangerous to children. That's scary. That's scary. Wow. So we can go to the police right now and say, my mother hit me and my mother is actually going to end up standing trial. Well, she may not end up standing trial, but she'll definitely be you know, subject to a criminal investigation. The social worker might arrive at your house. And yes, yeah, she may very well end up standing trial. And if convicted, she will have a lifelong criminal record for assault, yeah. which affects her job prospects, which affects you know any visa application. Definitely. So it's very, very real practical effects on families. Certainly. And I think to bear in mind also that you know Section 110 of the Children's Act, um, I think it is, uh, gives you know a list of quite concise list of people that are under an obligation to report any suspected child abuse, you know, mm. which obviously any form of physical discipline, whether it's a tap on the hand or a tap on the bum, now forms part of. So, for example, your religious ministers, your teachers, all of those now are under an obligation to report it. And apart from that, your ordinary citizens, even just your neighbor, <laughs> is um, able to report it if they think they hear something or if they say, have a suspicion that you may have, you know, mm. given your child a hiding. Mm. They can report you. Wow. Yo, thank you so much, uh, Daniela. I wish we had more time because there's a lot that still needs to be unpacked. We still need to know what alternative parenting methods we need to find. There's a lot that still needs to be discussed re- regarding uh, the corporal punishment ruling. But because this is all the time that we have for today, we'd like to thank you so much for coming on to Law Focus and sharing your expertise with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. So it's just gone about nine minutes to eight o'clock. Tepo, I'm happy and listening to any law focus. Tepo, there was an interesting interview. I've got a lot that I want to say. Go ahead. Um, okay. So I don't know. I've listened to a lot of parents calling on to different radio stations and saying things like how they would now use a very scary kind of punishment uh, that I think is much more traumatic perhaps than even the uh, beating, hitting that you might might get, such as I'm arachnophobic. 
and you come as my parent and you say, you know, I'm scared of spiders. And if you do ABC, that spider that's over there, I'm going to. So there's a parent who shared a story. She's got little kids. And when they're naughty, she tells them that room has spiders. I will bring them. And she says after that, they sit still, still, still. So you can imagine buying a fake toy snake or some crazy stuff like that. Or, no. or, 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 or what deciding. I'm hearing are examples of terrible parents. It's very, it's, I, mean, I mean, so now these are things that people are that's using. Really bad it's parents. really bad, right? That's and these are some of the things that people are using as their options. As an alternative to spanking. As an alternative. Yeah. Um, I, I think people who do that are missing the point. They're missing the point. Instilling p- fear and loathing and all of that in the child isn't uh, the way to discipline the child. I think even when you're spanking the child, it's only okay. Partially, it is to in, instill some fear. And, it definitely and, is. But that's not the main aim of parents that spank. I'm not saying I agree with spanking or don't agree with spanking. But that's not the main aim. The main aim is to correct the behavior of the child through having them feel a little bit of pain. If you're going to now psychologically uh, uh, torture your child, just just re- just rethink having children. Really, just rethink it. If you're going to start using torture tactics to discipline your children. I mean, the children now have phones. You can take away the phone for a week. Trust me, that is agony for any teenager or even, you know, tween or whatever they call them. Although Um, I was wondering, for people who might be very poor and might not have things like phones or a TV in the house, what then do you take away? Because what they have are literally basic needs. There's nothing that you really can take away because not giving them food the is poorest of starving the poorest. them. Yeah, but not the poorest, the poorest, the poorest, of the poorest child of will, 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 for example, play football on the street. Oh, you can you're stop not them going from to playing football. Play football. I mean, you can do something like that because that's what they love to do. Um, so, I mean, I, I really don't understand why anybody would want to put their child through some sort of psychological trauma like that so that you can reinst- reinstill the fear of spiders or whatever. The religious aspect of the argument fascinates me. And it fascinates me because uh, religion is so malleable. Over the years, it's been used to justify and destroy all sorts of nasty things, from slavery to apartheid. All of them have been justified by religion and eventually smashed by religion. So I don't know, you know, religion for me doesn't take us any further um, in the conversation so much because, I mean, you could say that, but religion does allow for it. And Christianity is a very loving religion as well. So it, you might also argue that, but hang on, is it really all that Christian to do so? So religion doesn't do anything for me, but I do understand people's frustrations with the court but the same, coming into If you're going to use homes. the Christian religion, the same religion also says you need to obey the laws of the land. And yeah. if the law is now, yeah. do not spank, yeah. then as a good abiding citizen who believes in your God, you should not spank because the Bible says you must obey the laws of the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting one as well. Um, Yeah, it is. It's a a really difficult one because people do not know what to do. But as it stands here and today, it's unlawful to spank your child in any way, shape or form. And now it means that you're going to have to uh, deal with or learn how to... Alternative uh, methods. Yeah. I mean, I I know my, my parents stopped spanking me when I was able to understand right from wrong. I think from when I was 13, I might have gotten one one little clap around <laughs> from my mother. And But after that, I never got another one. And I did, you know, all sorts of things uh, growing up. But they didn't spank me as soon as I could understand right from wrong. 
So I think it's still there. It's possible possible to discipline your child without spanking. Yeah, I guess it's a beautiful opportunity to really do learn alternative methods of parenting. So we had Daniela Ellerbeck from Freedom of Religion, and she's the one who contributed uh, to the show for us this evening with her expertise on the judgment and the work that they did as part of the amicus curie in this case. From our producer, Simba Hombe, our technical producer, Kuklano Sirame, our law focus researchers, Sise Tuzinge, Luanel Kamamade, Sikle Monama, Sipati Makafani, Tepo Mahapi, and myself, Millicent Ndiweni, do stay tuned because up next is the voice of hip-hop. And thank you for tuning into Law Focus tonight. Good night. Good night. Law Focus, handing you your rights. Law Focus podcast is also available on iTunes. Search Law Focus.